y'all. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 100. 100. <laughs> Sinister Sightings 100. <laughs> 100 freaking episodes of this. How did y'all make it this far? How have we not run out of stories? You're the only one who is, like, I don't know, worried. You don't know that. There could be other people that are very panicky right now. Well, send in stories, y'all. Well, thank you everyone who has sent in stories thus far to make a 100 freaking episodes of Sinister Sightings. There have been a ton of amazing and spooky and heartwarming and funny and all the things, stories that have been read on these episodes. And I know that there are tons more to come. Ditto. (laughs) Okay. Also, I just have to ask. So Donna's the one that like compiles the list of the sinister sightings that we're going to read for the episode. Yes. Did you plan that this is who this first one was going to be from on our hundredth episode of sinister sightings? No. Because it's from Valerie A.B., Our first rando. Who was the very first person, other than our family members, to join the Facebook group. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No. The very first person who we were like, do do you know her? I don't know her. Do you know her? I don't know her. Oh, my God. I know. I will never forget her. So. Ever. What a perfect way to start the 100th episode of Sinister Sightings. Wow. Yeah, no, I did not plan that. I wish I did, but no. It That's just... why I was like, oh my God, did you do this on purpose? Mm-mm. It's just how it should work out. I mean, no pressure, Valerie. <laughs> All right, enough of the chit-chat. Let's jump in. This one is called, from Valerie, Do I Have a Third Kid? Hey, ladies, it might be a while before you get to this one, but I still want to say I hope Donna feels better, and I'm glad she's out of the hospital. Oh, gosh. Well, feeling better. And she's out. I'm so, out. Yeah. good. Okay. I want to tell you about something that happened to me just last night. Since the pandemic started, the sleep schedules of everyone in my house have been completely farted up. <laughs> <laughs> I love mom talk. The kids go to bed at the same time as before and have always been early risers. Very much unlike their mama, and still are. However, they have been sleeping through the night consistently during the before times. Now, they both wake up pretty frequently with nightmares. The subject of these nightmares are another story for another time. Anyway, all this to say, it's a fairly regular occurrence to hear someone whispering my name in the middle of the night. Usually, I make a noise of acknowledgement before I even open my eyes to hear their request. Last night, I was sound asleep, and it was about 3.45 a.m. I distinctly heard someone whisper, Mommy, into my right ear. I made my sound of acknowledgement, and my husband said, What? Are you okay? As if he had just woken up. This woke me up completely, and I said that I heard someone whisper, Mommy. He said that no one was there but the two of us, and of course, he hadn't heard anything. I got up, quite freaked out, and used the bathroom. I mean, are you me? Gotta use the bathroom while you're up. You're up. You may as well use it. Now, you may remember from previous stories that if you sit on my upstairs toilet and the door is open, you can see clear down the hallway. 
I thought I saw movement down at the end of the hall near the door to the kids' rooms. I went down there, and of course, there was nothing. Both boys were asleep. So I went back to my room and tried to fall asleep. Thoroughly freaked the fuck out. My attempts didn't last long, however, because 15 minutes later, here comes Child B, who is four, to my bedroom asking if he could snuggle. Child, it is 4 a.m. Instead of letting him into my bed where there is no extra room, I went down to his room and slept in his bed for the rest of the night. His tiny radiator body lulled me to sleep until about 7 a.m. when I got kicked in the face. I don't think that whatever it was was trying to harm anyone. Maybe they knew Child B was waking up soon and wanted to give me a heads up. I have been known to scream Jesus fucking Christ while almost shitting myself if they wake me up from a sound sleep. Maybe it was trying to save a pair of pants last night. Anyway, thank you ladies for all that you do. You know I love you. Valerie A.B. Whoa. It was mom intuition. Really was. But that's scary. I don't want to hear no little kids Mm-mm. whispering. No, no. Mm-mm. No, because you know it was like, mommy. Okay, like like no, super creepy. Didn't. Don't even be freaking me out. What? You don't think it did that? Mm-mm. And it was like, lightning. <laughs> can't even y'all. <laughs> I wish y'all could see her face. I didn't know what you were going to do. I was going to say it was like lightly tapping her, but I couldn't like tap where they knew that I was tapping. <laughs> Only you could see me tapping, and I wish y'all could see how big her eyes got. I mean, biggest saucers. Oh, gosh. Carrie has me on edge, and apparently... From our Facebook group, we know she has a lot of y'all on edge from that hiney laugh she threw in that <laughs> last episode. Oh, God. I just have to say, I am so glad that y'all, you know, nearly shit your pants, too. Because, oh, my God. Um, the post. Good morning, everyone except Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I laughed so hard at that. Carrie is our sinister sightings. That's (laughs) that's what we've learned. A hundred episodes in, and we have learned that Carrie is a sinister sightings. Who knew that all this time later, Heine would still be with us? Oh, God. Next one. I love your podcast, blah, 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 all the things. (laughs) But just for Donna, I'll throw in that I decided to listen to y'all because of an ad that Patrick Hines narrated. So we'll say that Patrick Hines told me about y'all. Oh, God, that's all she needs to know. <gasps> no more Heine. It doesn't even matter. Don't, don't, don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> I won't, I swear. <laughs> Nothing can fuck up Patrick Hines for you. Oh, gosh. He really is so sweet. And I, I wish y'all, I've just, look, I know y'all are like, can you get on with the story? I just wish y'all could have seen little Donna fangirling over Patrick <laughs> Hines with trying so to hand bad. him his own fucking brochure. At the True Crime Podcast Festival, and he's just like, I, honey, I, he didn't say it, but you know he was thinking, honey, I already have that. Uh-huh. Kara's like, that's his. <laughs> that's he doesn't, his. He doesn't yeah, need he his doesn't own thing. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're Carrie and Donna. Yeah. I'm like, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, of course, because I went into stalker mode, because I'm like, that's his hot husband, Steve. That's his daughter over there. Should I say something? And, of course, Carrie, she's like, yeah, go ahead and do it. Because she would never do shit like that. But she's like, yeah, go ahead and do it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. It took me, like, 30 minutes to work up that courage. Because they're not in the podcast. But I know 
all about them. You know, I'm like, that's Daisy. Oh my God, that's Daisy. She a little kid. Like, I can't be in a white van creeper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. But then Steve was like, oh, he's right up there on stage. You do not just go up to Patrick Hines like you know him. I know. I know he's your husband and all, but uh, he kind he of is a not deal. just a person, okay? Like, he's Patrick fucking Hines, okay? Yeah, I'm like, <gasps> like I could just go up there? Like, <laughs> you want me to go up there? <laughs> what? Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so cute. Uh, y'all. Mm. Anyway, so thank you for that. Reliving that moment. Mm. That sounded like I was reliving another moment. It sure did. Anyway, I'm from Northwest Louisiana. You know, the part that no one talks about. And just for y'all, I'll mention that I'm one quarter Mississippian. That's right. My grandma, also my namesake, was from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Vicksburg was my family's vacation spot so many times I lost count. I unfortunately never got to meet her, and it was a strange feeling seeing my name on a tombstone growing up. However, I carry her name with honor and love for my dad. Anyway, this email is about prophetic dreams and shit. My mom told me about some that she had had, one involving the last time my dad saw said grandmother. She spooked him right the hell out when she told him that the last time he saw my mother was when she was smiling and waving at him from the hospital window. If I remember correctly, he told her to stop watching Crossing Over with John Edwards after that. (laughs) So, turns out I have a bit of the prophetic dream talent in me, and this is where my story starts. My dreams are usually really weird and full of dream logic that makes perfect sense at the time and makes absolutely none of that when I wake up. And I remember maybe one out of... 100 of them long-term. This dream ended with a scene of what looked like a warehouse, which doesn't really play into this, so don't worry about it. And I'm walking around it with my sister. And all of a sudden, for no goddamn reason, I say, it's so weird that we have a Friday the 13th so early in the year, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, didn't know you were a calendar. I didn't scream it or anything, but it was clear enough to stick with me when I woke up shortly after. (laughs) I bet you actually said that out loud, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't you hate when you can, you know, you just said it out loud Mm -hmm. and you know, it makes absolutely no fucking sense to anyone who was around you. And you're like, you wake up and you're like, yep, motherfucker, I said that out loud. God, I love when people talk in their sleep. Uh, I used to do it and my mom would be like, what did you just say? Because it would be like that, that random shit. And I'm like, I don't even know what I was talking about, but it made sense at the time. And I was very clear on that fact. Yes. Now, let me go back to sleep and understand why I was saying that. Yes. It was about November. So when I got up, I checked my calendar. And what do you know? There was a Friday the 13th in January for the next year. Damn. I thought that was weird and fun, and I didn't think much of it past that. I honestly don't buy the whole superstition behind Friday the 13th, but it was still cool that I had a slightly prophetic dream, right? Well, cut to that Friday the 13th, and the day was completely normal. I was on high alert, though, because it's the day I dreamed about. My mom asked me to go to Burger King to get some food for my dad, 
and I hadn't been driving for a whole year yet, so I was a little nervous, but I had safe back roads to take. I got there safely, but the parking lot is made so you have to circle the building if you come in the way that I did. When I made a turn, someone else was coming in from another way, and instead of slamming on the brakes, I panicked and slammed on the gas. I was embarrassed as hell, found out the lady whose car I hit was the mom of a girl I went to school with, called my parents to come help because I was too panicked to tell the police what had happened. Oh, and did I mention that was my first car accident where I was a driver? Yeah, I had a dream that told me the day I would have my first car accident. I'm still working my way through y'all's episodes, and if we weren't in a pandemic, I would so go to a live show. Hell, y'all might have even had shows where I could attend easily. Nobody wants to come to Louisiana unless it's in New Orleans, and that's further away from me than Dallas. But if y'all read this by April 2021, I'll be in Illinois with my fiance, and you'll likely be supplying me with accents from home. Thank y'all for being your sassy selves and creep it real. And then they sent another message, and it said, I literally just sent an email about having a prophetic dream about getting my first car accident, and I forgot to mention that no one got hurt. Both cars were dented, and I was shaken up, but no one was even scratched. Wow. Also, how weird is that? It's March, but pretty close. I mean, one month from April. Right? Wow. Are you in Illinois yet? I mean, I know they said April, but I mean, you know, did you go early? Are you still going? Pandemic and such. (laughs) Right. I can't do live shows with Donna. She's a fucking, uh, what is that cannon thing I'm trying to say? (laughs) Loose Loose cannon. cannon. Nothing about me's loose. Everything about you's loose. (laughs) Your lips, upper and lower. (laughs) Let me get my Rolodex. <laughs> I will have you know. Uh, no, 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 no. This is the list of things of you that is loose that just went float out. <laughs> of my lips. <laughs> <laughs> have you had any more dreams like that? Also, what did you get from Burger King? <laughs> A car wreck. That's what you got. <laughs> A new car. You know what I would want? Since your parents had to go up there anyway, be like, well, let's just go in and eat. <laughs> oh shit well what were you gonna get to eat i would like the original chicken sandwich i knew that's what you're gonna say Mm -hmm. with the chicken fries no just their fries oh okay changing it you have been weird about chicken lately Mm -hmm. that's why Mm -hmm. yeah that's the only reason why or she would have gotten the chicken fries because she likes the chicken fries well i like the chicken fries if i get the whopper oh okay that's too much chicken See, told y'all, weird about chicken <laughs> See, Carrie acts like she knows me, but she don't know me. I mean, I have some crazy-ass dreams, but I don't usually, like, I don't usually remember them. Or I'll remember pieces of them, and they kind of come back in flashes to me. Yeah. But if you catch me as soon as I wake up and I tell you, I'll remember it. I usually don't remember it. Or I try to remember, and it's like... Just a jumbled mess. Yes. Okay, the next one. Hello, lovelies. Recently started listening, and I am so hooked. Here's my maybe spooky story. I've always been able to communicate mentally with animals, have had prophetic dreams, and see spirits. 
This is something my parents encouraged, as many Latinx people pride themselves on being spiritually connected. I even became casual friends with the ghost of a little girl who stayed in our living room, but would sometimes move our toys. Story for another day. Oh, look, this is two stories for another day. We're not going to run out of emails, Donna. (laughs) She's had an epiphany, y'all. Just kidding. We still could. (laughs) She's not joking. She's still like, "Mm mm-mm. It's going to happen. When I was a kid, growing up in my family home with my parents and four brothers, there was a point in time where I shared a room with my younger brother. The bedrooms all radiated off the central living room, so when the doors were all open, we could see each other. One of my older brothers occasionally walked in his sleep, sometimes running into doors or going outside, so he locked his door at night. I remember an evening when I was maybe seven years old, I was asleep on the top bunk and I woke up for no reason. I sat up in bed and looked out our door to see a tall, slender figure standing outside my brother's room. I could tell the figure was a male and young and I thought my brother was sleepwalking, but the door was closed and the figure was just standing there, kind of slouching without any motivation or tension in his body. I waited for my eyes to adjust, and simultaneously, as I realized that it wasn't my brother or any other family member, the figure realized I was awake and could see it, and they straightened up and turned and looked directly into my eyes from across the living room. The figure started to come toward me very quickly, but it wasn't walking. It was gliding. I didn't make a sound, but just laid back down and pulled the sheets over my head. I could feel the figure's face inches from me, meaning that if it were a living person, I would have heard the lower bunk creak when they stood on it, but I didn't hear a sound. I decided not to be scared because I sensed no clear intention from this spirit and living or not, it's never kind to make assumptions about someone's character. I turned to face them and lowered the sheet. They had no face, no features whatsoever, no breath, no heat, nothing. This figure was completely black, like the void of a person. Not at all the red-eyed, creepy-crawly shadow people I've heard of. This person was curious, but definitely not of this world. I put the sheet back over my face and whispered, I'm going back to sleep now. Good night. And felt them still there looking at me, but now standing in the middle of the room until I fell asleep. Years go by and I'm now about 14. My older brothers move out and we all switch bedrooms. I'm now sleeping in the room my older brother was in, the one the shadow man was standing outside of. One night, I wake up and see a male figure standing in my closet, just looking at me. Again, completely featureless and devoid of motivation or speech. I realize it was the same figure as before, and as I settle emotionally, the figure sits down cross-legged in my closet. I should mention, my closet was crammed with shit. 
if anyone wanted to sit in there, they'd have to move a bin of toys with boxes of stuff stacked on top. The vibe I got was of a neutral protector fulfilling his duty. Like, she's a little girl. The other males protect her when she's awake. I'll take the night shift. I felt him in my room all of the time until I moved out. But his demeanor never changed. And we never spoke. He just watched me from my closet. When speaking to my family about the ghost we'd encountered in life, another big hobby for Latinx families, I shared this story. My parents told me that before we moved in, our house was used by a neighborhood gang. People had been killed in the house. A little girl and a young man. I now live in a new house in Seattle with new ghosts. The most familiar spirit is that of an introverted young man who likes to lounge around the living room. Like most men in the Pacific Northwest, he's kind of creepy, but doesn't really have any personality or do anything scary. He just likes to hang out and enjoy the plants. Lots of love and all the best, Emilia. That is so motherfucking scary. Oh my gosh. Well, at least you have that intuition to know. And like... You're so grown up. You're so fucking brave. And, well, but just so grown up to be like. Well, I don't know like how old they are now. But at that time. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying like. Yeah. To not be on the defensive already. Because I would have been. And to be like, okay, I don't know who they are. We're going to be chill. And be like, okay, I'm going to bed now. Good night. Mm-hmm. But you're totally right. Like your vibe. It sounds like your vibe was right. Mm-hmm. Especially like what your parents said about the house before that, yeah, if it was a house run by gang members, they were there just to protect you. If a kid or two had like died there, you know? Yeah. Wow. Oh, gosh. I'm just trying to picture that and I don't want no, to. I don't even knew. But like then again, I also picture it and like I'm getting like a like a big hero six vibe from it. But like tall and skinny and, and black and not like marshmallow man. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it's like that, but not that. Yeah. Oh, but we do want to hear about your other ghosts. I need you to write in all of these fucking stories spooky maybe my ass that's fucking scary as shit right Whew. fucking that thing was like sandra bullock slapping the damn uh taxi cabs i'm gliding here <laughs> coming at you fuck no right uh-uh mm-hmm. no uh-uh Mm-mm. could you imagine like that was like the creepy like okay she woke up that thing was like i picture like scary movie Creepy head turn because mm-hmm. it realized she was awake and was like, oh. Yeah. Nope. Don't want any of it. That's the kind of shit that I'm like, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't fuck with that shit. I'll tell you all day long, you're bloop, bloop, men in black and all that shit ain't real. But when you talk about shit like, I'm out. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I don't fuck with that. We don't talk about it. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. I don't want my sleep fucked with. I don't want you creeping your face on me. I don't want to feel your hot, non-existent breath that's not hot or cold or existent. Don't want it. Don't want it. All right, the next one. Hello, beautiful ladies and fellow extra-large pizzas. 
Normally for my stories, I would be more than happy to share my name, but as this involves other family members, I'm going to ask you to call me something else. So from here on in, just call me Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, Phoebe. (laughs) Also, this story contains triggers of suicide, so please be aware of that. So this story begins when I must have been around approximately eight years old. It was my paternal grandmother's 50th birthday, and so my dad, mom, sister, and I traveled over to attend. We all lived in separate countries and rarely saw them, but as this was a special occasion, we went. Her party was basically a meal in a local large house where they would host weddings, etc. So it was a large room with tables, and we had a sit-down meal, all very la-di-da and posh when you're eight. The table I was on was full of family, including my grandmother, as I was her favorite. No secret in the family, I'm just that amazing. But I ended up sat beside my great-uncle D, my grandfather's brother, and his wife. I'll just call him D from here on in. Oh my goodness, I was so worried about being stuck beside this old man I didn't know and being bored senseless all night, but actually he was hilarious. We spent the whole night talking, laughing, and being silly. So what could have been an awful night for me ended up being great. Given that we had traveled over to a 10 when we didn't regularly go see my grandparents, we ended up staying with them for a few days. While we were there, Dee and his wife also popped in for a visit. They also had had to travel for the party, so he called in to see my granddad before heading back home. We all had a lovely night, and he took pictures of us all with his fancy camera. I say fancy, we were still in the era of film, but it was much bigger and more professional looking than anything I'd ever seen at that stage, i.e., you know, the cardboard ones you took in to get developed. Anyway, I asked him if he could send me the pictures, especially the one of me and him together that we sat for. I felt such an immediate bond with this great uncle I never met, so he said we would keep in contact and we exchanged addresses to send each other letters. Fast forward, let's say a month, and I received a letter in the post. Back in those days, and being so young, I never got mail, so this was the most exciting thing ever. Actually, it still would be. All I ever get these days is bills and appointments. It was a letter from D, just general chit-chat, and it made my day. With help from my parents, getting paper, envelopes, etc., I wrote him a letter back telling him all the exciting things I had been up to. I mean, I was eight. There was bound to be some riveting shit in that letter. (laughs) I also asked if he had managed to get that photo of us yet. From memory, we exchanged a few letters each time I asked for the picture, which never came, but the letter stopped. I was informed his wife had died, so I wasn't allowed to write him anymore as he was mourning, slash busy, etc. That made sense, so that was that. Not long after, possibly a year later, I'm fuzzy with the details, I discovered he had also died. I was told by my parents that he had died by suicide. Oh. I remember being so upset, thinking it was almost romantic, like he was so devastated by the loss of his wife that he just had to be with her. At that time, I also remember asking, I wonder if there was any way I could get that picture of us that he never sent, as I would like it for a keepsake. Several years afterwards, I found out that actually his wife had also died by suicide. 
I was shocked that such tragedy could happen not once, but twice. Fast forward to just a few years ago, now well into my 30s with kids of my own, I was speaking with my mom, and I have no idea how it came up, but I spoke wistfully about how sad it was that Dee and his wife had both died by suicide, and just how sad it was reminiscing about the letters we sent and the picture I never got. It must have been the first time we had spoken about it in years because this was when my mom told me the truth. Dee's wife had indeed died by suicide, but there was a tragic reason that she did this. Her husband Dee, who I had formed such an amazing connection with, was a pedophile, (gasps) and she had found out. Later, he was, I assume, under investigation of some sort, and he took his own life. My parents had found out when his wife died and obviously immediately cut off our communication and never discussed it with me again. I still don't know the full details as mom didn't go into much detail. It was actually relatives on my father's side and I have never asked him about it because, well, that's not really a nice memory for anyone to have. Needless to say, I'm glad I never got that picture. Glad my parents stopped the communication and definitely creeped out that given time, things may have turned out differently as I never felt anything off with him. It was such a different time back then but it certainly has made me more paranoid about such things with my own children now. Stay safe, everyone, and creep it real. Love, Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. (laughs) Wow. Whoa. And it just, it sucks so bad, too, because there's nothing wrong with an uncle messaging, you know, like sending letters back and forth to a niece. That's what sucks is that it's people like him who takes this innocent thing and turn it fucking dirty. Yeah. And it takes this precious memory that you have and fucking ruined it because he's a piece of shit. And I'm sorry. He's your family. But fuck him. Right. I I mean, I hope that, I don't know, because there's no way to say this without sounding like terrible, but I hope that he didn't personally victimize someone but that also sounds terrible because i know that that makes it sound like child porn is a victimless crime and i know that it's fucking not and so i don't mean it that way because it is not right a victimless crime it's fucking terrible Mm -hmm. and him buying that is victimizing someone so i don't mean it that way but do you see what i'm saying but there is a difference yeah but clearly he was good at the grooming Mm-hmm. Which is so, why you were so at ease with him. And why your spidey senses didn't go off and all mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, oh gosh, that just breaks my heart. Me and my great uncle used to write letters back and forth. He was like in his 70s, I think. And I was in high school at the time. But he had retired as a lawyer, and he was, like, into history, and Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to major in. And I love those letters. And he, like, had given me a book on history and, you know, just, like, stuff like that. And I really enjoyed those letters. I looked forward to those. Right. And so I can only imagine an an eight-year-old or, you know. And, again, getting mail and all that. It's, like, it's fun. It's exciting. And it should be. A way to learn and grow as a child. You know, you learn communication skills. You learn how to fucking use the mail. You learn how to write a letter. You learn 
all these things. And so it's this amazing learning opportunity that you get with a family member and you get to know them better and you get, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's this wonderful opportunity and this piece of shit took it and fucking destroyed it. Yeah. And like how you had only met him once. I never met him. So yeah, I was getting to know him Mm -hmm. like you were getting to know yours. And like, that just sucks. Gosh, to be your parents. Uh, See, this is why I can't be a parent because I couldn't keep that. Like I know. I would have such a hard time. I know you would as a parent allowing my child to think the best in someone that you know is a piece of shit. Oh, right. I mean, they wouldn't. But, you know, like. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. I couldn't do it. I know. But, like, but think about people who are, like, going through divorce and stuff like that, that they can't, you know, they don't tell their kid. Let's say that the marriage broke up because, like one of the spouses cheated or whatever, you know, and that's why they split up and they're not telling the kid that or, you know, and it's like, they don't because they don't want their kid to think less of the parent, whatever. I wouldn't. I'd be like, he cheated. I know. I know you would. That's what I'm saying. I know you would. Like it's out there. He cheated. It's okay. We doing his, we doing our own thing. We going to make it. But like he cheated. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But it's like. Two year old be like, milk. What's that mean? (laughs) He cheated. Look it up. But that's, I mean, that's kind of what her parents did. Like, they didn't tell her the whole story to protect her. Yeah. Parenting's fucking hard. In ways that you wouldn't even, you can't even imagine. Right. Like, situations come up that you can't even think of. Right. Like, this. A fucking, your child writing to their uncle, oh, oops, by the by, he's a pedophile. And there's all this tragedy attached to it. Yeah. Also, I do want to say, I'm like, we're very sorry for your loss for two family members of yours. Like, that is sad, no matter who they were. And again, your memories and your experiences and all that's tainted. So it's like, yeah, the whole situation's so fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. But thank you for sending that in. Okay, here's the next one. Here's the sinister sightings for you. First off, I love you ladies. I'm a truck driver, night shift, with very long hours, and it's boring as hell. You two make my shift ride like it's downhill. Aw. Will you give us a little toot-toot next time? Yeah, I still do the arm motion, and I did it just then. That's how she gets all the boys. <laughs> just a flick of the wrist. Anyways, like, they literally say that. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> they knew I, we were going to have to rein your ass back in. I must say that I suck at writing stories, so I'll do the best I can. My punctuation sucks, and my words sound rude as hell sometimes, which I'm not rude at all. I totally get that. Sometimes my words come out so fucking mean, and I don't mean it like that at all. Like, literally the other day at work, I said, I hate people. (laughs) And my coworker and, like, two patients were like, and I was like, I don't mean it like that. (laughs) <laughs> I just hate other people who are breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like when people talk to me or look at me or listen to me or breathe near me or, you know, exist. <laughs> no. Now, here goes the story. I'll start here. My family was dirt-ass poor, barely making the way for us growing up, so not much money in the household. We were always cramped up in some mobile home our whole childhood, so you can only imagine how happy we were to find a nice big house 
for an affordable price of only 200 bucks. Now, this was in 96, so that's pretty cheap. Anywho, there were several events that took place in the house, but the one that scared me to my core was when I was about 14. Now, I'm not ashamed to say I slept in the bed with my grandma until I was 16. I was terrified there, but the layout of my grandma's room was a full-size bed in the middle, to the left of a bedside table with a lamp, and to the right, a metal wardrobe with an antique army green wardrobe-like a locker type thing, with maybe a walking sideways space between the bed and a wardrobe. Now, my side of the bed was the wardrobe side because the table lamp cut on and off by itself all the time, and it freaked me out knowing something was standing next to me manipulating the lamp switch, so hell no. Yes, I feel guilty today putting Momo on that side, but she was braver than I. Hell no, she's lived her life. (laughs) (laughs) She's old. She's clearly tougher than you. She's had more years to get brave. (laughs) One fateful, well, unfaithful day, I was proved very wrong when I heard knocking coming from inside the wardrobe door. I saw the kitty cat run from behind it, so I was like, okay, it's just Snowball, Grandma's cat, and laid my head back down and was almost back asleep when I heard bang, 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 real hard from inside the wardrobe, so hard you could see the doors bending from inside it. I was so super scared, and from that day on, the lamp table side seemed friendlier. I have many more stories about this house. If you want more, let me know. Oh yeah, one more thing. The rumor was the house was built on top of an Indian burial ground and some say slave burial ground. Well, I guess I'll be ending this here. Creep it real, ladies. The name of the town that the house was in was Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Amy Lynn. Whoa. Yeah, I would have been like, uh, you know what? Um, you want to switch sides? Um, the doors bent from the knock? No, ma'am. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. No, no, thank you. I don't want, uh-uh. Nope, nope. You can take that with that faceless, dark, whatever that was in the last story. And y'all can take that and leave it in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I don't want any of that. Nope. Also, I slept with my mama till I was, I don't know, I know it like through eighth grade, but yeah, through eighth grade. Did your grandma switch sides with you? Well, yeah. Because she fucking brave as shit. Mm -hmm. She's seen some shit in her life. Also, grandkids get whatever they want. It's in the handbook. And I'm stubborn as shit. That's why I'll never have kids because I can't have grandkids. All right, next one. Hey, Donna and Carrie, George B. here. The last time I wrote in, I told y'all about my spooky childhood goings-on. But since my childhood, I've had other unexplained or spooky things happen as well, and I thought I'd mention them here. The first one is called Ghost Dog. When I was an anthropology student at USM, I used to hang out with a group of other anthro students. We'd usually gather around at a house where a couple of them lived. The girls that lived in the house each had a large dog. We'll call the girls Shasta and Libby. 
Shasta had a large Rottweiler named Starbuck, and Libby had a German Shepherd whose name escapes me now. Anyway, usually once a week or so, I'd be at their house making my special deep-dish homemade pizza for everyone. One of those evenings, as I was in the kitchen preparing the pizza, I felt one of the dogs come up behind me and put its cold, wet nose against the back of my knee. I was wearing shorts. Smiling and feeling honored that the dog chose to greet me, I reached around to pet it, and there was nothing but air. Looking down, there was no dog. I looked around, and both dogs were sacked out in the living room. Feeling kind of freaked out, I casually mentioned what had happened to Shasta, who laughed and said, yeah, that's our ghost dog. She then explained that she had encountered the ghost dog many times around the house, how one night she awoke to what she thought was Starbuck standing above her on the bed, breathing hard and slobbering a little. She reached out to turn on the light and nothing was there. Starbuck was not in the room and her door was firmly shut. I wish I knew the story of that ghost dog, but alas, that was my only encounter with it and the girls knew nothing of its history. The next one is bathtub knocks. Much more recently, earlier this year, I was getting ready for work, and while I was showering, I heard some knocks from the underside of the bathtub. I thought I had imagined it, but I knocked my foot against the bottom of the tub a few times, and several seconds later, the knocking from underneath was repeated, about five or six rapid knocks. I knocked again from my side, but it was not repeated again, and has never happened since. I thought maybe an animal might have been underneath the house, but the knocking was not against the floor under the tub, but rather against the underside of the tub itself, where no other animal, other than maybe a mouse that wouldn't have been able to knock that hard, could have been. I've puzzled over that for some time, but it has not, as of yet, happened again, so no clue what that could have been all about. This one's called Shadows at Work. I work in a call center where I schedule appointments for patients at various clinics around Mississippi. Well, that's part of my job. I also put in refill requests for medication, leave messages for patients, for their doctors, etc. I won't mention which health group for obvious reasons. In the last six months or so, I've been noticing shadows reflected in my glasses from behind me, and I always think it's someone walking up from behind. Every time I turn to see who it is, however, there's no one there. It seems to be pretty random in intensity. For instance, one day I might see the shadow 30 times. The next day I might not see any. Most days it's somewhere in between. Could these be shadow people behind me? Could it just be the trick of the light? Or possibly spirits trying to get my attention? Or something else entirely? I just have no idea, and at first it was very spooky, but I'd pretty much gotten used to it. I used to mention it to my coworkers, but I've stopped doing that, although I know they think I'm crazy when I suddenly jerk my head around looking everywhere for something not there. Occasionally, I'll also hear my name lightly called, but of course no one else has heard it. That part of it's pretty rare. It's probably happened maybe three to five times in the six months or so this has been going on. This one is ghost or cat. This last one is more of a chuckler than anything. For the last two years or so, I've been noticing the bottom drawer in my kitchen where I store my dish rags and towels is occasionally opened. 
I'd always assumed it was my cat doing it to crawl in and lie on the towels. However, one day I was in the kitchen, the drawer was shut, and I walked into the other room for 30 seconds. When I came back, the drawer was open and the cat was nowhere in sight. This made me wonder if it really was Maggie, my cat, or if it might be something else. Since I've always thought my house is probably haunted, and especially after the bathtub knocking I mentioned earlier, I considered the possibility it could be a ghost opening that drawer. However, just last week, I walked into the kitchen and finally caught my Maggie in the act of opening the drawer, so now I can rule out otherworldly drawer openers. Hope y'all enjoyed these stories and I didn't bore y'all to tears. Creep it real and don't get scared, George B. Damn you, Maggie, trying to give us a fucking heart attack. Right? And something probably spooked her on that day, and so she ran. Uh-huh. You know, and so it's like, holy shit, it could be a ghost, you know, and mm-hmm. then it's like, no, it's just her. But, oh my gosh, about the ghost dog. Yeah, that's Like, weird. you felt the cold, wet nose, you know, and then they confirmed it, like, no, yeah, that's our ghost dog. Yeah. I hear my name at work a lot, too. I'll be like, what? Oh, nobody called my name. Damn. You hear it a lot everywhere. I do. Narcissistic ass. she's talking to you george not me i'm talking to her (laughs) the tub knocking Uh uh-uh nope see carrie might be scared of everything else which i mean um i've been scared of all these stories but the tub mm -mm. freddy krueger fucked that up for me when his hands coming up Mm -hmm. through the thing and so like any tub knocking on that and i was just thinking i was like the tub knocking i don't really know what that is i can't really explain that so I can't, like, that one didn't, like, resonate with me the way, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, it, that would freak me out. Also, it takes me a minute to get out of the tub. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> well, he was standing up in it showering, no? If you're, like, sitting, lounging in it, you know, having a very relaxing, you know, bubble bath, and then you had boom, 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 like, on your booty, that'd be scary. That's right. Yeah, he was showering. Yeah, that wouldn't be scary. But, like, being in that? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. mm -mm. Again, I'd be like, oh, oh, shit. Better hope you have a bit of a garden tub. I am. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, for room to, like, wiggle up out of that bitch I do, but uh, sloshing that, mm mm-mm. I got to pay for those floors, too, so I can't be sloshing all the water everywhere. This is where I die. I'd be like, oh, my floors. Oh, this. Oh, God. How you going to enjoy those when you're dead? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. But also... I mean, I'm your beneficiary, so please don't fuck those up before you die. <laughs> also, like, my ass will suction to the... I don't know why you laugh. I'm serious. I, no, I know you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, y'all. I don't want that house. <laughs> that motherfucker. Look, if y'all join the watch parties or these game nights, y'all see how slow her fucking internet is? I don't want to live out there. True dad. (laughs) True that. Oh, goodness. Okay, the next one. Perverted ghost? Question mark, question mark, question mark? My favorite kind. I was just about to say, Donna's interest is peaked. My nips are perked. Oh my God. Okay. A few weeks ago, I got bored listening to my audiobooks on my daily commute and decided that I would actually see if I could find a podcast that would be interesting and entertaining at the same time. I had never listened to one and wanted to give it a shot. 
I've always been interested in both the paranormal and true crime, so I entered these terms into the search engine at iHeartRadio, and lo and behold, yours was the first one that popped up. Holy shit! I was like, cool, two of my favorite things in one place, so let's give it a whirl. I was hooked from the very start. I listened to it on my commute, at work, and while cooking or cleaning. The very first day, I joined your Facebook group and started following you on Twitter and Instagram because I didn't want to miss a thing. I know, I'm obsessed, but I can't help it. You two are awesome. I feel like you are my soul sisters and the dynamic of your friendship is so similar to mine and my best friend, Luna. You can use both of our names because we don't care if people think we are weird. Oh, you and Luna have an unhealthy... uh codependency where mm-hmm. you also hate each other a little bit but really love each other because <laughs> you don't really hate each other but people think that you do but you don't yeah i mean it's a lot of love just sprinkled with a little hate <laughs> a dash of hate you know just to make it spicy like like a dollop of daisy mm. but carrie can't do spicy because sometimes mac and cheese is spicy for one her. time in college it had too much fucking black pepper and i said this is a, got a little bit of a kick to it continue on but thank you one goddamn time 20 fucking years ago because <laughs> mac and one geez. time donna <laughs> we like yourselves are a couple of extra large pizzas and love paranormal and true crime and have no issues sprinkling the word fuck and shit around and we can debate and discuss theories forever anyway this might be a bit long and i'm sorry But this is just one of the many paranormal experiences I've had. So let me start at the beginning. It has been said by many people that no matter where I am, I just attract the supernatural and the paranormal. And that they always want to communicate or attach themselves to me in some way. I don't know why this happens. It just does. And it has been that way my whole life. My mother is fond of telling me that if I had been born in a different era, I would have been burned at the stake for witchcraft because of my outspokenness, my beliefs, my excessive use of the word fuck, and because everywhere I go, odd things just happen to me. So here goes. Damn, that's some dark humor. I like your mama. A little bit of backstory. My parents divorced when I was six, and my mom moved my brother and I back to California from Wyoming to be closer to her family. She met and married my stepfather, who was a Marine, when I was almost eight, and since that age, I was raised a military brat, meaning we moved about every three years until he retired to his home state of Texas when I was 16. No big deal. I loved it. I met interesting people, learned new cultures, etc., Most of my good friends today were kids I knew on the various military bases I lived and grew up on. When I turned 18, after I graduated from high school in 1997, yep, I'm that old, I left the small town he retired to, and until my oldest son was born in 2004, I was never one to let the grass grow beneath my feet and bounce between various states and countries, but somehow always return to Texas, where I reside today with my three children. On one of my return trips when I was 23, I met this guy who we will call Jay, who is also the father of my oldest son. We began a relationship that lasted almost three years. He was a bit of a bad boy, was addicted to meth, and wanted to get clean. 
You know how some of us women are. We think we can change them, and with our assistance, they can accomplish anything, and I was no different. It's like looking into a mirror. I I mean, I almost cut my eyes at you, but I was like, (laughs) she knows. (laughs) After about nine months together, he was clean and convinced me that if we moved to Columbia, Pennsylvania, where his mother and sisters were, it would go a long way for him to remain clean. I believed him and against the advice of my friends and my family, packed my shit and my cat shadow, who I had since I was 16 and was gone. So picture it, Columbia, Pennsylvania, October 2nd, 2003. Yes, you read that right. I know the exact day this sinister sighting began. We had been driving almost 24 hours with very little stops and pulled up to his mother's house. We'll call her C, at about 3.30 in the morning. Jay hadn't told me anything about the house except that it was old. So we pulled up, and it was a two-story detached townhome made of brick and nestled between a corner deli and a storefront office with a small side yard and a walkway separating it from the other buildings, and it sat across from the Holy Trinity Catholic Church. I have always loved old buildings, and looking up at it from outside, I fell in love with it. C was a guard at the county prison and worked the night shift. So she was not at home when we arrived at 3.30 a.m., but had left a key in the mailbox for Jay to use when we got there. Jay and I walked up to the house. He opened the door, and we stepped in. The moment I stepped in, I couldn't breathe. It was like something was smothering me from the inside out. I literally thought I was dying and turned around and ran out the door. Once outside the door, I started breathing easier. I sat in the car, put my head in my hands, and just started taking deep breaths while Jay was asking me if I was okay. I nodded my head and said I was fine because if I tried to explain it, he would have thought I was crazy. I knew I was dealing with a spirit who either did not want me there or was trying to show me who was in control. Jay started to get things out of the car, and I gained my control, grabbed my cat Shadow, and went to the open door and stopped. Shadow puffed up like it was no tomorrow and started clawing at me. I put her down, and she darted into the house and under the coffee table and just stood there, snarling. I took a deep breath and told whatever was there that I was tired. I didn't feel like dealing with this crap tonight. For some reason, I just knew it was male. And asked if he would just leave me the fuck alone for tonight and we would sort this shit out in the morning. It seemed like forever, but I know it was only a few seconds before the heaviness retreated and shadow stopped snarling. Then I walked in. We were left alone for the rest of the night. The next morning, when C arrived home and we said our howdy-do's and all that crap, I started casually asking about the house and the history. She told me that the original house had been built sometime in the 1800s and had burned down sometime in the early 1900s, and all that was left was the cellar. They built the house that was standing now in 1923 over the original cellar. I just nodded and said something like, I loved old houses, or something along those lines, and she continued. She said that there are people that claim the house is haunted by a man who 
they referred to as the general. That the man died in the 1800s in the dead of winter before there was embalming and stuff. And that because it was winter, they couldn't dig a hole to bury him. So until the ground thawed, he was stored in the cellar and just chilled until they could lay him to rest. She said she had never really experienced anything, but heard footsteps every once in a while and things were moved and that was it. I just nodded and said, that sounds interesting. Then C proceeded to show me the rest of the house and I fell in love. It was three stories with a cellar. On the first floor was a kitchen, formal dining room, which had a table but was never used, foyer, living room, parlor. Down some stairs was the cellar where the washer and dryer were and was used as storage. The cellar had all the original stones that had been reinforced with cement and brick with a door leading to the outside that had been cemented shut years earlier and was as cold as ice. I felt something faint there, but not much. Then up the stairs was the second floor that had two bedrooms and one bath and a pantry closet of some sort. Through this pantry closet was a hidden door that if you opened it, it showed a flight of stairs curling up to the attic. The attic was split into two areas. The first area seemed to be like a nursery at one time, but stood completely empty now except for a boarded up fireplace at one end, but through another door was what she used for more storage, but was more likely servants' quarters at one time. I loved it. The day passed without incident until I was lying in bed that night in the parlor because our room wasn't quite finished being painted. And about 2.30 a.m., all of a sudden, there was a banging all around me. And when I say banging, I mean banging, pounding. It was so loud and heavy, it was literally shaking the walls from the force. Shadow, who always slept with me, no matter what, started hissing. I hit Jay and asked if he heard it, and he said, It's just the train going by. Yes, I can rationalize the walls shaking by a train going by, but there was no way in hell it would have been accompanied by the pounding and the banging. I closed my eyes and said a quick banishment prayer for the room, and the sound subsided, but I slept uneasy for the rest of the night. After that, little things happened that made me uneasy. Normal stuff that would accompany any haunting, like footsteps, whispering, things moving, nothing major. The cellar made me uneasy. I would run down, hold my breath while I did the laundry, and then sprint upstairs after I was done. Shadow never accompanied me down there, but would stay at the top of the stairs just waiting for me. A few weeks passed by, and nothing major happened until one snowy Sunday, Jay and I were home alone while C was at church. I was coming down the stairs and was on the third or fourth step from the top when I felt something on my back like a push, and the next thing I knew, I was flying down the stairs and laying at the bottom, and Jay was running from the parlor wanting to know what in the hell happened. I told him that something had pushed me. Jay, being the skeptic he is, was like, no way, and said, I must have tripped. 
No, y'all, I was straight up fucking pushed. Jay started looking at the stairs to see if there was something I could have tripped on or lost my footing, but nope, nothing. He raised my shirt to look at my back, and besides the red marks left from the stairs in the middle of my back was a red mark in the shape of a palm. He still claimed it was my imagination. A few minutes later, Jake left to walk down to the corner store for some cigarettes. While he was gone, I let it all out and started yelling at the entity. I told him I was about fucking tired of his crap and that if he didn't knock his shit off, I was going to banish him from the damn house. I swear to God, he chuckled. I said, you think I'm fucking kidding? Watch me. When C got home, I asked her if it was okay to do a little spiritual cleansing to the house because I believe for any successful cleansing of a house, you need permission. Her, not being a skeptic, said, sure, go ahead. So I took my salt, went up to our room, and proceeded to salt the door, the windows, the closet, and all around the floorboards of the room, chanting and banishing any evil, negative, and anything that may wish to cause me harm or would harm me in any physical, mental, or psychically could not cross the threshold of that room. The moment I was done, the room felt instantly lighter and I felt at peace. But if I stepped foot outside the door, the heaviness would begin. That night, while C was at work and Jay was where I left him, asleep on the couch, I was upstairs reading when I felt him try to cross the threshold and instantly heard a groan and a crash. I opened the door and there was a plant pot knocked over outside the room. I couldn't help it. I taunted him by saying, I told you I would fucking do it. And now do you believe me? All I heard was a swoosh of air and the slam of the cellar door. I laughed. He was having a temper tantrum. After that, things got better. I actually felt like he was okay with me being there. So I started talking to him like he was a live person. I would forget where I laid something and then it would appear out of nowhere. If I was trying to find something, the cupboard or the space it was at would magically open. One afternoon, I got home from work and found a flower laying outside of my bedroom door. Granted, it was one of the fake white flowers that C had laying around the house downstairs. The woman could kill a cactus. I feel attacked. Here's the thing. I was always the last to leave the house and the first to come home. I worked at a school as a secretary. There were no white flowers when I left that morning. But when I came home, there was one white flower laying in front of my door. I took it as an apology. Here's where the perverted part comes in. After the general and I came to an understanding and things calmed down, Shadow started finding ways to go into the cellar. I would find her down there just laying on stacks of old issues of Playboys and just purring away. One day, I walked down there to do some laundry and one of the Playboys was open and the pages were ruffling and Shadow was just laying there by them purring like she was being stroked. I said, General, if that's you and not the wind, please show me a sign. I waited a few seconds. Nothing happened, so I brushed it off and turned and started messing with the washer. 
I swear to God, as I was bending down to pull something out of the washer, my ass was grabbed. I jumped about 10 feet in the air and whirled around and nothing was there except my cat just purring away. I was like, that so did not just happen and turned around and started working on the laundry again and something grabbed my ass again. Once again, I jumped and said, was that you that just did that? I swear to God, I heard laughter and the air felt lighter. I told him, I don't know how it was when you walk this earth, but ladies today, most of the time, do not like their asses grabbed randomly. And as I walked up the stairs, I said, and if you were going to look at Playboys, at least read the articles and not just stare at the naked women who are definitely young enough to be your daughter or great-great-granddaughter. Y'all, I swear to God, the next time I went downstairs, the Playboy was open to an article. When I look back at the early days in the house, I think the general was trying to warn me and scare me into leaving. When we first got there, it was awesome. I loved Pennsylvania. But soon my life started going to shit. Remember, I said Jay was an addict. Within a month and a half, he started using again. But this time, it wasn't meth. It was cocaine. Soon I found out that C was an addict as well. But not drugs. She was a gambler. She would get paid, and once she cashed it off to the racetrack or casino she went, and by 2 a.m., her paycheck was gone. Soon, I was supporting me, her, and Jay. I paid all the bills, cleaned the house, and bought and cooked the groceries. Tension in the house rose. C started losing big time at the casino, and then came home and took it out on me and put down everything because it wasn't the way she would do it. I told her if she didn't like the way I did it, then she could do it her damn self. She told me if I talked to her like that, I would be out on my ass. I told her that if that happened, then her lights would get shut off. Her water and gas would get shut off, and she would starve to death. She shut up, but it only got worse after that. It was so bad I actually would take solace in the cellar because neither of them would go down there not even to do the laundry, and the general was actually a calming spirit to me. Jay wasn't even sleeping in our room anymore because he was always higher than a kite and up all night. It all came to a head Christmas Day. C was nitpicking everything and saying the food was gross and that she would have done better. FYI, I'm a damn good cook, and you can ask anyone I know. That the house wasn't clean and that I needed to do this and that. I blew up at all of them, and I told them that they were a bunch of ungrateful asses and had made it the worst Christmas I'd ever had in my entire life. I ran upstairs and slammed the door to my room. I laid on my bed and cried, but this time the general was my comfort and didn't mean me any harm and had been allowed into my room since the white flower apology. I was crying, and I swear he pulled the cover up on me. It felt like my hair was being stroked. I cried myself to sleep. About 2.30 a.m., I woke up and Shadow, my cat, was on the bed with me. I have no clue how she got there because she was not there when I went in. Jay came up to the room and tried to get in the door, but the door wouldn't open. I heard him knocking and trying the door, but I ignored it. I heard him rattle the door, but it would not push open for him. To this day, I believe the general was holding the door shut to keep him out. I woke up the next morning and started talking to the air. 
I told the general that I needed to leave, but I was scared. I liked having him around, and if I left, we wouldn't see each other again. I felt a little pat on my cheek and took it as a sign it would be okay. A few days later, I moved out into one of my friend's houses. By the 1st of February, Jay's sister called me. No matter how Jay and C were, she was always with me, and I still talked to her. She said that she had to go and pay her mom's electric bill and water and gas, but she had gotten shut off because C hadn't paid the bills. So, me telling C that would happen came true. Jay called me at work begging me to come back, and I told him, no, he says he can't sleep, and his mom can't sleep. I told him I was sorry to hear that and asked why. He said that every time he closes his eyes, banging would start on the walls, and it felt like something was sitting on his chest. Then he said he tried to go upstairs to sleep, but when he goes to the room, the door slams in his face. He said that C would be asleep after her shift, and the bed would start bouncing up and down, and her closet door would slam for no reason. That night, she went down to the cellar, and the door slammed closed behind her, and the lights went out. I just laughed to myself, knowing it was the general giving payback. I told him old houses do funny things and hung up laughing. A few weeks later, I realized I was pregnant with my oldest son. I told Jay, only because it was the right thing to do. C told Jay, probably wasn't his, because I must have left, because I was cheating on him. FYI, I never cheated on him. I moved back to Texas because I wanted to be with my mom, so she could help me through it. Jay followed a few weeks later. I tried to make it work for my baby's sake, but it wasn't meant to be. My son was born August 2004. He has maybe seen his father a handful of times, the last being when he was seven, and he is now almost 16, about to go into his junior year, and already has plans for his future. Jay has been in and out of various drug facilities and prisons for his habits. His sister keeps me updated because she feels I need to know and apologizes every time for him being a piece of shit. I just tell her it's not her fault. The house in Columbia that I fell in love with is still there, and I still love it. It was seized for unpaid property taxes in 2006 and sold. If I would have known that they were auctioning it off, I would have so tried to have purchased it. I love that house, and every time I think about it, I smile and wonder how the general is doing and if he's behaving himself with the new tenants and their children. Once again, I'm so sorry that it's so long, but there was so much detail and backstory to tell so you could picture everything in your mind. I have many more experiences that I will eventually get around to sending, like the time I lived in Babenhaus, Germany, near the Witch's Tower, the ghost that haunted the various group homes for the developmentally disabled that I worked graveyards in, my currently haunted office, and many, many more. Creep it real and don't get scared. Angela from Texas. I like how something that was scary and threatening at first became your solace mm -hmm. and your protector. That general's a fucking trickster. He is. He can grab my ass, so. Oh my god! You told him to read the articles. I <laughs> read those damn articles. You let him look at those Playboys if he wants to. <laughs> I'm glad you got out of that situation, though. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart for your son. That he's, I mean, he seems to be doing just fine. But yeah, wow. Also, you're fucking brave to be like, can you just, can you just not 
so I can get some sleep. Right. And then we can hash this shit out tomorrow. And then he was like, all right. Then you were basically like, come at me, bro. And he tried. And uh-huh. you're like, told you, motherfucker. Uh-huh. See, this is why I have no backbone on this No, me stuff. neither. I would never be like, I'd be like okay. try me, motherfucker. I'd be like, okay, I'll move out. No worries. Bye. Right? <laughs> Mm-mm. Y'all are way fucking tougher than we are. This is why we just read y'all stories. Exactly. Y'all, y'all live them. We read them. <laughs> All right. Last one. Hi, ladies. I recently came across your podcast, and like so many others, I was hooked by your hilarious personalities and awesome friendship. Came for the creeps and stayed for the bants. I'm from Ontario, Canada, and you guys have definitely made the entire quarantine, self-isolation way more entertaining. I wanted to write in with one of my quote-unquote spooky encounters, but Lord knows writing has never been one of my strong suits, so bear with me. A little backstory for this experience. In my city, there is a historical village of homes, barns, businesses, all set up in a mock village. Every year around Halloween, they used to put on a haunted hayride, where a local theater group would perform a spooky-themed show throughout the different buildings, and the audience would be taken from scene to scene. There was one year that my older sister Kay and I performed in the show together, though my brief stint as a theater kid started and ended with this show. I was around 13 at the time, and my sister was in high school. During the day, the village has a light, fun atmosphere, but after dark, the whole feel of the place changes. In particular, one house in the back of the village. Right beside it is a large wheat field that's bordered with a line of trees. This building is a two-story white house complete with an outhouse and a windmill, and one of those old-ass green doors that makes that awful creak every time it opens. This one always gave me the creeps even during the day. It always felt like someone was staring at you from the upstairs windows. This building was the location for the final scene of the show. All the wagons would gather and it would be the big finale. This night, my sister and I were playing extras. They rotated the cast every other night. The two of us and a few of the other extras were waiting in the backfield for the final scene. We all had to wait there so we would be out of sight from the audience and could sneak up and do the whole scare bit. We had been waiting a long ass time and naturally as a bunch of teenage girls we were goofing off and being dumb. I remember we were all spinning to see who could last the longest before falling over. Losers, I know. I'm a klutz by nature and was the first to stop because I was two steps away from eating shit. I happened to stop spinning, so I was facing the tree line at the edge of the field, and I saw something I can never forget. Through the trees, I saw an image of a little girl standing there just watching our dumbasses. I looked directly at her. I thought I was just dizzy and seeing shit, so I did the really slow blink, and I looked back, and she was still there. But now she moved her hand up like she was pushing a branch out of the way. She looked like she was glowing a pale blue color, and I could see that she was wearing a light-colored dress and an apron with long, dark-colored hair. What stood out most was her eyes. They were just dark spaces. Not like holes, but it just looked like dark, blurry spots. 
All I know is once it clicked that she was there, I grabbed the girl beside me and took off. I mean, I hauled ass to the other end of that field, grabbed her by the arm and said, girl, we gotta go. It was at this exact moment, as little 13-year-old me was running, something only done when forced, that another fellow actor would jump out of the trees and scare us. I'm not ashamed to say that I screamed, almost peed a little, fell to the ground, and then cried. I think I handled it well. (laughs) I know this sounds crazy, but I know I saw what I saw. I can still see it in my mind, even to this day. I recently found out that the village had a psychic walkthrough, and she picked up on a small child in the backfield that was attached to that house. They said the child would play back there. Validation? Maybe. This was my first experience that made me realize maybe there really is more to it. I want to say thanks again for the amazing podcast. Y'all keep me laughing. Keep on creeping on, ladies, from Tanya. Holy shit. Mm -mm. Little, again, so many ghost kids and stuff in this. But no, could you imagine? Could you imagine spinning around, like having fun and then like, whoa, hold on. And then, uh, mm, and no. you're like, was that what I think I just saw? Or was that not what I think oh. I just saw? You know, when yeah. you can't, because you don't know, because you're, you're dizzy. Yeah. Whew. And girl, I would have shit myself, fallen on like wet grass, and like the shit would have came out of my shorts, because you know I would have been wearing shorts. You know I would have fallen. So uh, you handled it very well. Like a champ. I would have handled it like a chump. Well, since this is the 100th episode, that's actually not going to be the last one. We're going to make this episode just a little bit longer. Longer. Uncut. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Definitely cut. Because, you know, you need us cut. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the Creepy Naughty and you've gotten your thank you videos, you need us cut. Definitely. So, we're each going to do just a few more stories. All right. The next one is called, It Wasn't a Prank. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I'm a new listener, and I love your podcast. You've been keeping me company on my daily commute and in the bath. I love listening to podcasts in the bath. I thought I'd submit a couple of sinister sighting stories because I grew up in a legit haunted house. It was a big two-story, six-bedroom house on the outskirts of town, and my parents had gotten it cheap because it had a reputation in town for being the witch's house. Because before we bought it, an old lady lived there, and she had something called the bone room, which was this one room that she had filled with animal bones. Apparently, she was this really nice, gentle lady who seemed more likely to collect teacups and doilies but who actually just kept random bones and things. Anyway, she died in the house at the age of 97 and wasn't found for a couple of weeks. So clearly, this is why the house was going so cheap. Otherwise, I'm sure my parents wouldn't have been able to afford it. Anyway, even though we had a lot of room, I still shared a room with my sister. And it was my room and my brother's room next door to my parents' room up this one hall. And the other two bedrooms were downstairs. Mine and my sister's room was the bone room. 
which my parents insisted was fine because they were the least superstitious people in the world and do not believe in ghosts or anything. Well, my sister and I were four years apart in age, and we never really got along that great. I was the typical annoying little sister who wore my big sister's clothes and used her makeup. She got revenge by pranking me and giving me jump scares whenever she could. She used to do things like grab my ankles from under the bed and pull my blankets off at night, jump around corners, or stand behind doors and jump at me when I open them. Typical mean older sister stuff. Well, one day when I was 14 and she was 18, I was home in our bedroom while she was out to visit a friend. I got into this new shirt she had bought for herself, which was really pretty, white with blue flowers. And I wore it out to dinner with my parents. Unfortunately, I spilled my dinner right down the front. Even though my mom tried to get it out with a cloth, the stain didn't budge. I felt so bad because I knew my sister didn't even have a chance to wear it and I had already ruined it. So I wrote her an apology letter and left it on her dresser with the shirt and then went to bed. It was probably around midnight when she finally came home and walked into the room. I pretended I was asleep so she had time to read the letter. I heard her open it and then crumple it up and I opened my eyes just a peep to see the crumpled letter laying on the floor. I was so upset that I had made her so angry that I sat up and told her I was really sorry. But she didn't turn around. She just stood there looking out the window. I knew it was her because she wore her hair up in this high ponytail. I was crying now and I told her I would buy her a new one and do all of her chores, but she still said nothing. Just walked over to the closet, which was just a normal closet with a sliding door, and stepped inside and slid the door closed. This was not a walk-in closet. I knew I had finally done it. I had finally made her so angry she might never speak to me again. So I went over to the closet and opened the door, expecting to find her huddled on the floor, crying or something. The closet was completely empty. There was nothing or no one in there except for clothes hanging up like usual. I ran to my parents' room, woke them up, telling them that my sister was missing, that I don't know what happened or what I did. My mom calmed me down and told me that my sister was spending the night at her friend's house. It was a sleepover. I was so freaked out that I slept on the floor next to their bed that night and I refused to sleep in the room if my sister was at home. Speaking again of my sister pranking me, there was another time in the house that something truly creepy happened. My parents usually went out on Saturday nights to friends' houses or something, and my sister was always home babysitting on those nights. One night, we were in the living room watching Sleepless in Seattle when we both heard this huge thumping coming from upstairs. We assumed it was our little brother because he was five and always fell out of the bed. My sister was waiting for her nails to dry, but told me that if I went up and fixed up our brother, that she would paint my nails. So I reluctantly agreed, reluctantly, because I hated going up alone, especially at night. I walked down the hall, leaving the light off because the hall light would shine directly into his bed and wake him up. 
I walked into his room to find that he had indeed rolled off the bed onto the floor and was still fast asleep, like usual. So I picked him up and put him back in bed and rolled the blanket to tuck behind him so he wouldn't roll off again. Then I went to head back downstairs. The door to my brother's room, which was fully open just a moment ago, was now almost closed. There was just a small crack between the door and the frame, and I could clearly see my sister standing there on the other side, waiting to scare me when I opened the door. Instead, I decided not to notice and walked over to the door, opened it really quickly, shouting, Bah! so that I would scare her instead. But when I opened it, no one was there. I was suddenly filled with dread when I realized that someone was standing at the end of the hall near my parents' room. I watched in the corner of my eye as this black figure just swayed there and then began to walk closer. I could not move. I was so terrified. I just watched in the corner of my eye as it got closer and closer. I still kind of thought at this stage that it might be my sister, but at the same time, I kind of knew it wasn't. It was just confirmed not to be my sister when, to my left, I heard footsteps coming up the stairs and my sister demand, come here, quickly. Finally, I could move and I ran over to her and grabbed her. She knew something was wrong and her face went sheet white. I told her I wasn't doing anything and she turned on the hallway light, raced into my brother's room, picked him up, and we all went together to our neighbor's house. I stood there as she explained that she was sitting in the living room when she heard thrashing and banging coming from upstairs. She said she was actually afraid that I was being attacked and couldn't move for several minutes as she just listened to it happening until at last she heard me scream and she went to find me standing in the hall looking terrified and someone standing at the end of the hall. The neighbor raced over with a baseball bat in hand and was ready for a fight. There was no one there. Instead, our bedroom was absolutely trashed. Every drawer was open. The clothes from the closet were strewn all over the floor, and mine and my sister's beds were laying on their sides. Our neighbor immediately called the police, and they came over. My parents were so freaked out to find two police cars out in front of the house when they pulled in about a half hour later. The police said someone must have broken in and started looking for something, but it was odd that my parents' room was right next door and contained all of my mom's jewelry and possessions and was untouched. I knew it wasn't a break-in and there were no windows open or anything anyway. I knew it had something to do with that creepy dark figure I saw. There were lots of other experiences too, like the time my sister came into the room shouting at me for grabbing her ankles under the bed when I didn't do it and wasn't even up there all day, and all the many times my bed shook violently while I was laying in it. But I'll save some stories for another day. Thanks for reading and creep on creeping on, Astrid. All these dark figures. I don't like them. Well, and then it's going to trash your room. Well, it's so interesting that y'all heard such different things. Like, it was such a different experience for both of you. And thankfully, your brother just slept right through it. That's so freaking scary. And you know your poor parents pulling up and seeing freaking police cars there. Oh, my gosh. Their hearts fell out their ass and then went back to their friend's house, wherever they were coming from. I know. 
Well, can't wait to hear your other stories because whoop. That house is fucking haunted. Right. But y'all can keep all these fucking dark figures. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's called Sinister Shit for Reals. Hey now, y'all. I love listening to you girls going back and forth. You totally remind me of me and my bestie from another testie. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously have the mind of a 15-year-old boy, too, and sometimes I forget I'm really a 46-year-old Oma. Makes my life interesting, if not everyone else's. Anywho, I have a metric shit ton of personal experiences to tell you about, so I'll get on with it. So, I'd say the year was about 1985, and my mom, myself, 14, and my little sister, Gina, 12, lived in Santa Clara, California, and my aunt, Sean, and her two boys, Joey and Chris, lived in another apartment in the complex. Okay, so my family is weird, and that's putting it mildly. Most families sit around and play board games. Not our crazy fucked up family. No. We do shit like make Ouija boards and piss off ghosts. And yes, I said make Ouija boards. Don't judge. So, this one time, my mom and I were bored and decided to go down to Sean's place. Her two boys went up to our place and hung out with my sister. We were just goofing off, asking stupid questions like who I was going to marry and how many kids I was going to have. It was incorrect. I married a crispy and had five kids. Soon the room got dark, even though it was bright as fuck outside, and we were sitting by the window. The planchette started getting jerky and fast and started to say that it was going to take my aunt's son, that he belonged to him and his soul was his. Sean started getting upset and said, you will not have my son. My mom stepped up and said out loud, you are not welcome here. You need to leave now. And then my mom and aunt started to pray loudly, all while we still had our hand on the glass. Girls, the fucking glass imploded. Not exploded out, but shattered in on itself. Big fucking nope, nope, nope. My mom went around and sprinkled some salt in the corners of the house and blessed it. And it was kind of forgotten. Kind of don't believe in giving bullshit power by repeating the story over and over, if that makes sense. So we just never spoke of it again. Well, ladies, I will say that whatever it was, it did fulfill the prophecy, but not by taking one of my cousins in the way that you would think. You see, my cousin and his girlfriend are called the Carnation Killers. His name is Joseph McEnroe. His girlfriend and he killed her family on Christmas Eve in Carnation, Washington. On, I think, your 19th episode, you had a girl who lost her cousin to murder and she was in a fight with her family. I was at work trying to bite back tears, glad I was wearing a COVID mask. She said that no matter what, the killer still had a mama who was hurting. You have no idea. Like I said, my family and my aunt all lived in the same complex. And later, as an adult married with kids, I lived in the same complex too. Actually, the same apartment as above, but that's another story. Trust me, I got some crazy stories to tell. Joey has two brothers and a sister now, but they don't, you know. My ex-husband and I used to regularly get Joey away from his mom and introduce him to music and art. He was like my little brother, but now I don't have him. I'm torn between thinking if I wasn't part of this mess, I would say that fucker should fry, but I can't because he's my little cousin. 
When I had to go to court for the penalty phase, his face lit up so bright when he saw me and both of us had tears in our eyes. All of us that have loved him, love him, are sitting here wondering what I could have done different, how I could have helped him. What did we do wrong or not right? Where did we all fail him? So yeah, even though people don't think of the killer's family when this kind of thing happens, we are affected too in ways that nobody could ever imagine. The whole situation is just really heartbreaking on every level. Sorry if this ran on too long and if I derailed it a bit. Thank you for listening to my stories. You guys are fucking awesome. Smile, Willow. Okay, well, to back up to the Ouija board story, um, how do you say goodbye when the planchette implodes on itself? Ooh, I mean, I guess you just hold each other's hands like you do the let's go team and you like pile your hands all up and go over to the goodbye. Man. This email is so special because I think that it's so important because the families of the murderers or the perpetrators, let's just say the perpetrators, they get lumped in with them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, at times they are just as bad. You know, at times they come from these families that are abusive and that have turned them in to these people. Right. But there's also times where they come from really great families mm-hmm. and circumstances like drug abuse and or just addictions, period, or life circumstances like getting caught up in a toxic relationship or a cult or a fucking anything has... Yeah led them down this path that's different than their family. And so it has literally nothing to do with the way they were were raised or anything that their family has any part of. And their family is destroyed from their actions. Now they've lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. Not to murder, not to a crime the way the victim's family has. But now they've got, you know what I mean? It's still all of a sudden, too, like they weren't... It's not the same, but it's the same. But it's not the same. Right. Just because somebody's experience is different doesn't mean it's not valid. Yeah. Because it's not fair to put worse or better or not as hard or harder or any of that on someone's emotions. You want to. Especially, I can see how a victim's family would want to say, well, what I'm going through is harder. But it doesn't make their feelings, like Willow's family's feelings, less valid. Because they happen to be related to the person who committed the crime. Right. And that's hard. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Yes. And, I mean, I don't know your family's anything But, you know, at some point, they're responsible for their own decisions. And I don't think that there's anything you could have done differently that would have necessarily changed an outcome. Right. And it's not fair to put that blame on yourself or your family when it's their decisions. But I would do the exact same thing. What could I have done differently? What could we have done differently? But golly, yes, thank you for sharing. 
So we have a couple of ambient stories to end on. So the first one is a short one. And it says, my ambient story is that I sleep eat and accuse my husband of eating all my stash. I also hide my phone because Amazon gets a lot of business. It's like the old Christmas time morning when everything is a huge surprise. Anybody else? Thank you for making me smile. Love you both. Kimberly B. Um, I do that and I don't take Ambien. I do that with Shein and Amazon. Yeah, you do with Shein for sure. I really do. You have a Shein problem. I I got a package today. Of how many earrings? I did not have one pair of earrings in this one. Not near a pair. No, I'm shocked. I don't even know. I can't even respond to that because I am fucking shooketh. You always get earrings from there. I know. Also, I bought two of the same, so I have a pair for you. Yes! I love when you <laughs> accidentally do that. I know. I was like, oh, I love the... Oh, man. I've done was, that before. I was putting them on, like, organizing them, uh-huh. and I was like, motherfucker, I was so excited about these. But, like, I literally just bought the other ones on the time before. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Again, a problem. But so many things are, like, a dollar or, like... Five dollars. The highest thing I've ever bought from there was, I think, a $16 purse. And it's in the shape of a pumpkin. Anywho, I feel you. Also, I can't have snacks in my house because I eat them all. Even when you're not on sleeping medicine. Me too. Same. Yeah, again, I can't, I don't even know how I do on Ambien because holy shit, all this shit y'all talk about, I do... Not, Not same. I did a Walmart pickup today and put everything in my pantry, all the things, ate, and I was like, mm, I need something sweet because, you know, I'm an extra large pizza, so I got to end on something sweet. And I literally said to myself, and so it begins because I'm going to the pantry, I'm opening it up, and I literally only had that one thing, but that won't last. Because that was like at three. Tomorrow, I have all day. Okay, the next one says, Hi ladies, just a short story about my mother and Ambien. My mom is an avid Ambien user. She also takes something else that makes it stronger. Tortle? I'm not sure. I'm not really into pills. Anyways, I've always had trouble sleeping, but a couple of years ago, it was really bad. My mother gave me one of her Ambien And said, hey, just try it, and if it works for you, you can get your own prescription. She then tells me, but make sure you let Jason, my husband, know that you're taking it because some people have some weird reactions to Ambien. I go home. I'm exhausted, so I pop the pill, take my shower, and climb into bed. The next morning, I wake up early, and I'm alone in my bed, and all the covers, pillow, and the bedside paraphernalia have been thrown on the floor. I am more concerned that Jason is not in the bed because he's a heavy sleeper. I have woken him up and had full-on conversations with him that he could not tell me one word of after he wakes up the next day. Anyway, it hits me that I did not tell him about the ambient. (gasps) So I sheepishly look out the door and see him sitting in his office on the phone. 
He has this shit-eating grin on his face, hangs up the phone, and tells me it's all crystal clear now. And if you go the Ambien route, we need to talk about sleeping in separate rooms or a possible divorce. (laughs) I tell him all I know is I just had the best sleep I've had in days, so both of those options are probably okay with me. (laughs) He laughs and says, you might want to know what happened before you make the final decision. I tell him, go ahead. He tells me he comes to bed and is surprised that I'm not already in bed because I'm a total night owl, but that I am apparently dead to the world. He's careful to get in bed, so not to disturb me. He said he had just drifted off when I started slapping him on the back, telling him, it's okay, I've got it, over and over again. (laughs) He said, I'm slapping the shit out of him. And when he turns over, I continue to smack him, telling him, it's okay, I've got it. So he raises his voice and yells, great, I'm glad. (laughs) I shut up, roll over and go back to sleep. (laughs) He thinks, what the fuck, but goes back to sleep. I then wake him up by pulling all the covers off of him, rip his pillow out from under him. He thinks, sweet Jesus, what now? I tell him we have to hide. The clowns are going to find us. (laughs) I tell him we have to hide. The clowns are going to find us. Then I throw the sheet over my head and scream, don't tell them I'm here. There's a shit ton of them. (laughs) He is fully aware that I'm afraid of clowns, and if they were hunting me, I'd be terrified. He waits a beat and gets on the floor with me. He can hear me lightly snoring under the sheet. (laughs) He gently shakes me, and I scream, Clowns! (laughs) (laughs) I get up and run into the armoire. He directs me to bed while telling me he took care of the clowns. No more worries. I tell him, thank you, climb into bed, sleep peacefully for the rest of the night. I can't say that for Jason. He said it took him a while to go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I did minor damage to my face, but had a bruise the size of a fist on one ass cheek. I have no idea how I got. So it's very safe to say I never took Ambien again. Thanks, Amber. The clowns! Clowns. (laughs) The fucking clowns punched your ass! Clowns, there's a shit ton of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Can you imagine, like, not knowing what's going on? Oh, my God. The fact that he did not know that you took it made that shit all the better. And just fucking went with it. Like, yes. I've got the clowns. It's fine. Yes. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. One more. And it's another Ambien story. Hi again. I think you might be almost to my story. I hope you read it because Dennis is still being a little bitch sometimes. Remember that one? Yes, she's a cookie counselor. Yes. Hell yeah. Over the past five months since writing my last email, I've caught up on the podcast and now know that you all ask for ambient stories. 
Well, I have one. I was a freshman at the University of Louisville living in the gender-segregated dorms on campus. I'd had some pretty serious personal trauma that year prior, and that combined with being away from family and whatnot, I had some trouble sleeping. My doctor prescribed me Ambien to help. I took it for a few days right before bed, and good lord, I finally slept. The next night, I took it, and then I remembered that I was gross and I needed a shower. So I packed up the shower caddy and ran to the shared bathroom to shower. I got back and laid down. My friend Will lived on the floor below me, and although the stairs fire door was not supposed to be open between the girls' and boys' floors, it was never locked. We broke a lot of rules, but also, he's gay, so we weren't being scandalous anyway. It was about 1 to 2 a.m., and I was lying in bed, and I saw three nicely dressed Asian women standing in my room. At first, it's startling. Obviously, I'd never hallucinated before, but then I was, like, amazed how detailed and beautiful their (laughs) traditional Japanese clothes were. I texted Will and told him that they were nicely dressed Asian women in my room and to come immediately. He did. Then I proceeded to see a little girl in a white eyelet dress swinging from the closet, and the peephole in the door was two peepholes, and they were chasing each other around. (laughs) Pac-Man style. <laughs> I can remember. <laughs> just can, I can just see it. That's can, my kind of ambient right there. Yes. That's, that's me on a normal day waiting for the fucking doctor to come in. <laughs> I can remember laying in bed, looking up, and the wall was continuously eating the ceiling like a conveyor belt. <laughs> Then, little stick people, with their little stick horses and buggies, <laughs> proceeded to crawl all over my bed, had trouble, <laughs> had trouble navigating the mountain that my body created under the covers, but successfully made it through their journey. <laughs> the ambient version, version of the Oregon Trail. <laughs> that part was mine, not hers. <laughs> Will told me I was talking mostly gibberish the whole time But I was trying to explain what I saw He was worried until I told him about the Ambien Then he wanted it too (laughs) Anyway, that shit is nuts I still struggle with sleep I think I'm just totally nocturnal But I'll settle for watching reruns of The Office all night Rather than that adventure P.S. Dennis has taken off the other bedroom door recently. Also, my husband won't let me talk to Dennis too much because he's legitimately freaked out about it. He refuses to leave the doors open in the bedroom at night, like not even a crack. He says he sees things in the hallway. I kind of think he's seen Dennis at the end of the bed too. He wouldn't let me finish the story when I tried to tell him. He also blamed y'all for my nightmares. So sorry he's throwing some shade, but <laughs> what does he know? Creep it real, my bitches, Liz. Oh my gosh. The peephole chasing another peephole that's not there is the best. I don't know. God. God and the stick fucking, figures. The, oh uh, these ambient stories are my fucking favorite. They Man. really. Oh. If we could end with these funny fucking ambient stories every day, it would make my life. They Yeah. Oh. Gosh. 
Y'all, what a wonderful 100th episode. Yes, we are so happy that we get to do this on a weekly basis. And we haven't run out of stories. <laughs> I know, it's still baffling. It, my butthole still puckers every time. We're in August, y'all. We're catching up. We are. So, y'all, send these fucking stories in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank y'all again so freaking much. If you have a story, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. It can be spooky. It can be true crime. It can be ambient. It can be heartwarming. It can be fucking send a shit. Yeah. Seriously. So keep sending them in. You know the shit. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. I already said it, but I'm saying it again. And remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.